Welcome to my summer podcast series where I'm talking with parents who are willing to share their stories. They have all had a journey through disability, evaluation, diagnosis, and getting help from a special education advocate to better navigate the school system and to get services that are in the best interest of their children. The road has not always been easy, but they are here because they are brave And they hope that their story will help other parents feel hopeful and less alone. So welcome. Well, Andy, thank you for coming in today and talking more to me about your story. Um, I appreciate it very much. And uh, if it's okay with you, I'll go ahead and let you start talking about your two wonderful children and your wonderful husband. My name is Andy. Um, I have two children. I have my son is 14. He's a freshman in high school now. And my daughter um, is a seventh grader. Um, Tyler has ADHD and learning disability and dysgraphia. And Allie has autism, level two, ADHD, and dysgraphia. Um, they both were, um, Tyler was diagnosed early on, like three years old, we knew. He had the typical motor going, couldn't sit down kind of um, persona. We didn't do, you know, we monitor it with our physician, but didn't really start the goal of getting medication and all that stuff and services until he was in first grade. When we started seeing that he was falling behind more, he was having struggling with all the organization skills and all that stuff. Um, Allie, we knew kindergarten. Um, really? She uh, was falling out of chairs, but not like funny wise, mm-hmm. just falling out of chairs. She would get so, you know, she has sensory um, disability, audio disability. So, um, her sensory processing, when it's loud noises, she would, you know, get upset. And, you know, she never had a full down meltdown at school, and that always was at home, but she would get upset and frustrated. And we knew that right away that something was going on. Um, so we did eventually, you know, her path was a lot harder than my son's because it was pretty easy to figure out he had ADHD. With hers, we had to go to a neuropsychologist and a neurologist and all the different doctors to get their um, diagnosis. We mm-hmm. did get it, and bless the heart, you know, if I ever have to say anything, if anybody doing something is getting a neuropsychology done, testing on your child when you have um, ADHD or ASD or any learning disability. Because they give you a whole book everything <laughs> you need to know for school mm-hmm. or for home or what services you need. Um, depending on our neuropsychologist is wonderful. She get, gave us like even resources um, for everything that we needed to research. Um, and we get ours done every two years. Um, you know, some insurances pay for it. Ours, we're luckily, my husband, um, company pays has good insurance, so they pay for it. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, you have to look at where the cost factor. But it does give you so much information, and as you know, you you get to see the neural psychology, mm-hmm. and it, it helps guide us with um, getting services for the children. Yep. And now, did you do that right away, like in kindergarten when Allie was in kindergarten, because you learned from Tyler, or did you not do it for Tyler until you learned from Allie? Until we learned from Allie. Got it. Yeah, okay. I didn't even know about it until Allie. Um, what happened was we saw the neurologist because mm-hmm. we, we couldn't get her met. We knew we had ADHD. We couldn't get her meds right. Um, we couldn't. We struggled with hers. My son was really easy. It was like two tries and we're good, you know. And the meds helped. My she we didn't realize she had autism at that time. We just knew that the meds weren't working, and they were concerned. Our normal primary physician was concerned because she was five years old at the time, 
And when you're younger, your body, they can't digest the medication as well. Okay. Um, so he wanted us to go see a specialist. So we went to see a neurologist, and um, he did adjust her ADHD meds to non-time release, um, and we just did more frequent through the day. Something to do with their age of the time release doesn't work as well until they get older. She okay. is now on time release, so it's not a big deal. But early on, um, I think it was probably until six or seven, is when we moved her on to time release. Um, but my sister-in-law, I remember telling me, oh, I think she has ADHD, I mean, it has autism. And I'm like, okay, I didn't know much about autism mm -hmm. and stuff. So when we went to the neurologist, we, we talked about that. And he's like, you know what? I think she does, but let's go get the neuropsychology testing. Because I went to, he was like, I feel that gives you more information um, when you do this type of testing. And I said, well, what about my son? Because I wasn't seeing him for my son. I was seeing him for my daughter. And he's right. like, well, yeah, take him. If you share his paper, go take him, too. You okay. get tons of information. So, yeah, we did both of them at the same time. But it was really Allie that started the, the journey on that. Okay. And your sister-in-law had suggested autism spectrum disorder. And then did your pediatrician or the family doctor, because I know you had a good relationship mm -hmm. with him, did he suspect that? Or did he just say, hey, go to a neuro... When we talked originally, because we are very close to our uh, primary physician, Correct. and when you have a disability, you become very, you know, they see him every three months, uh -huh. or, you know, frequently. Um, you know, we told him our feeling, and he says, well, I can't diagnose at this point with the information I have. Does she have signs? Yes. Do, you know, but you really need, there's more testing that has to be done to really right, totally it's not just up. done. Yeah, it's yeah. not like You've got a fever, we're done, yeah. ADHD is a little easier because they give you a list of questions, and it's, pretty off the scales, you know, you can look from their scaling system, and they do similar for ADHD, for autism, but not, you know, it, it's not as, it's a different scale, and different more questions and all that stuff like that that you have to fill out and stuff like that. So, neural psychology really gave us that true, where her gaps were, what truly what it was and stuff like that. Okay, good, good, good. Um, and so now you've got two kids, mm -hmm. two neural psychs. Mm -hmm. How did you get the school involved? Like, tell me, tell me the journey. Um, you know, it started off rough, especially with my son in first grade and before my daughter even started, because um, they're two years apart. Um, you know, I remember going to the office and them and telling me there's no such thing as an IEP or 504. <laughs> I still can't get over that. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, okay. So again, I'm back back to my doctor's. I'm like. I don't know what to do. And he's like, they're lying to you. They're lying to you. <laughs> you know? He's like, go back, push them, push them for that. And mm -hmm. so I'm the kind of person that does research, right? That's mm -hmm. how I deal with stress is I, I need to know all the information and I need to know, put down a, a timeline and the goals for me to accomplish. I have ADHD, so that's the only way I can cope with my ADHD. Those are the tools I use. Mm -hmm. And so I did my research. I went to Chad and Attitude and all those various organizations. And they have abundance, and all of them have abundance of information. Um, but I remember seeing one about writing a letter for IEP. And they gave you a mock-up. So I typed it up, mocked it up, added my, my myself and my child's information. I looked on the district website, pulled all the information on who's over special ed, who's the district lead, who's uh, the, the CC the principal, CC the school's special education. Mm -hmm. um, I CC'd everybody in God's country on this email, <laughs> at, on this letter, and I, I mailed it and I emailed it to okay. everybody. Okay. Because um, I wanted traceability. Yeah. That's the one important thing you gotta do is you have to document everything. And you have to, even if you had a conversation with a teacher, 
followed up with an email or something. It sounds like so much extra work, and as a you know, just a mom with just two disabled people, I also have two parents that are disabled that live with me. I understand that, but it will save you in so much time down the line. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I just emailed everybody. All of a sudden, 30 days, I got notice. I didn't realize that that they have to legally contact you within 30 days to set up a meeting, mm -hmm. right? So we did struggle. We had the delay factor that they always did. Okay, well, what were you in for a meeting? Well, that was within 30 days. But, oh, now we have more tasks. We have to do more studies. All right, another 30 days. And this went on for, like, you know, we started first grade for Tyler. Okay. We went into his second grade, kindergarten. We started, we got, started Alley, And we didn't get the 504 at that time until... He was in second grade and she was in kindergarten. Wow. We still struggled yeah. um, with her. So you did everything right. You did yeah. your research, you found out what letters to send, all of that, and then in your opinion, they were kind of playing with the timelines with you, whether it was 15 days or 60 days or 30 days or whatever, but they still denied you essentially, and it wasn't until a year later or into that And maybe that's expectations, because my expectations, when you're gonna meet with someone, you wanna have all the information in front of you. Right. Well. In most IEP meetings or 504, they don't. They decide what they want to look at, and then it takes mm -hmm. another meeting, if you don't get it within your hour time, <laughs> to define what they're going to look at, and then they another meeting to do that. So, you know, this has been, you know, to me, I'm like, okay, well, you know what you need to do the Just do it. To research. Yeah. Just do it and come to the meeting and not waste, you know, I work. I work mm -hmm. from, you know, luckily, that time I worked um, in the office and, and two days from home. So, mm -hmm. but, you know, that's way from the office I'm out for an hour or two you right. know, for these meetings. Um, you know, I'm paying, you know, when I had you, I'm paying you for your service. Mm -hmm. Well needed to right. pay you, but I'm paying for you for your service to be there. Yep. Um, so I struggle. I still today still struggle with that. You know, I right. want to define... When we before we meet, I always in my emails to them if we're going to meet outside our IEP standard meeting, I want this done. I, you know, we're going to talk about this, and want you to come prepared. Yeah. And that does seem to help mm -hmm. nowadays. And if people are going to talk about if we're going to talk about you know, she needs evaluation, okay, let's do this through email. Tell me what you want to do evaluation. We'll agree to it so that you have time to do that. So I'm not delaying. You know, 90 days after starting the process to even then talk about okay okay now she's approved for IEP now we're going to wait another meeting <laughs> to go over what her accommodations or his combinations are so right. that's just really you know document you know I always I know my kids the most mm -hmm. and it's okay to be a pest it's mm -hmm. okay to be a pest you know you got to be respectful but right. it's okay to be a pest mm -hmm. define what you want define what you you need um be open for changes um but also know that you know you have a say, and you're part of the team. You're just as more important of the team than they are as too. Mm -hmm. Because they're educators, and they need to do their job. But I need to know that it meets Allie's needs or meets Tyler's needs. Right. No, I think you make. I think you make very good point. And you've described the process. The process is a lot of hurry up and wait. You know, and you get ten days for this, and fifteen days for this, and thirty days for this, and sixty days for that, and then. You know, in your case, they denied you, and then you had to go through the whole system all over again. So, yeah, you, you've described it really, really well. And I think you are really good, too, because you you've now become an advocate to figure out who's going to be in the meetings as well, mm -hmm. which I really have a great deal of respect for um, you, and we might be jumping ahead a little bit, but then we realized somewhere in Allie's process that we didn't even have the right people in the meetings. Correct. Um, she, she was struggling. Um, you know, I remember... 
it's supposed to be a band-aid. I always call it my band-aid episode. You know, she would, oh, she picks, and if anybody knows she has anxiety, mm -hmm. but she picks on herself. And one of the things we try to do to deter her from that is, let's just put a band-aid over it. If you don't see it, then the, the, the scab, scab yep. then you won't pick, pick it. it. Right. And to let it heal. So we've always taught her that early on. So she needed a band-aid. And they didn't, want, they didn't want her to leave. They didn't go to the nurse. It wasn't important, because it wasn't gushing blood or anything. It's just she was picking it. And they wouldn't let her go. And I've always told her, I said, if you feel like you need something medically, go to the nurse. Mm -hmm. It's emergency, it's emergency. And, and you know what, as a, when you have an autistic child, you have to explain their boundaries mm -hmm. and their guidelines because they don't read people. Right. So she knew that she could go to the nurse. Mm -hmm. So she walked out. The nurse, she asked politely. They told her no. So she left and she went to the nurse. Mm -hmm. She got her band-aid. The nurse came back, brought her back, and she started the day. Well, they were saying that she was, it was a behavioral issue. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a behavioral issue, it was a combination that you should have been making for her. Allow her to go get band-aids, allow her to do this. Right. Um, and I started getting worried, and like, you know, I, you know, you see it in the news and all those things, you know, autistic kid having meltdown and, and or people calling, you know, putting them in rooms or, you know, locking them down or something. And I just, I have that fear, I still have that fear right. um, behind my head. And so I was worried that something was going to happen if I didn't stop. Mm -hmm. And so I was a Cub Scout leader for my son's Cub Scouts, and she had uh, we had another parent in there, and they told me all about you. Um, so and what wonders you did for them. So I called the they called you, and you got you involved, and you know you spent a, a good time going over our history and mm -hmm. all the guidelines and stuff. And you got her, you got both of them an IEP, which I couldn't get them myself. They mm -hmm. kept wanting to give a 504. And so we got the IEP, we got services, and you you got an autistic specialist on our team. Because um, the school didn't know about autism, yeah. you know, and we struggled with that. Even though we had an autistic specialist on her team, we still had problems with the teachers uh -huh. and the lunch moms. Uh -huh. And it wasn't a combination we had at the time, we do now. Anybody who deals with that lady has to have, um, be trained by an autistic, have autism um, training. Training, yep. And, but it's not always done in schools. No, even if it's written into the IEP. I, and again, in your case, he wasn't even part of the team, which I didn't understand. And, and I don't even think the teachers realized that a position even existed in your district or they were oblivious to it or whatever. No. And then it was like, nope, here's his name. Invite him to the next meeting. We need, again, and then he needs to start training your staff. But then we had to write that into the IP to yes. say, and we need the attendance sheets to know that he did the training and, you know, and he's got amazing ideas, yeah. you know. And she was bullied. Um, mm -hmm. We had a bully incident that brought him into the situation mm -hmm. where she had her IEP, everything was fine, but she went and some girls were bullying her, telling her that, you know, I'm this sad, but told her that she has no friends and she should just die. Mm. And so this happened out in, out in the recess area, and she was extremely upset. Rightfully so. Yes, absolutely. Or not, you're yep, upset. Absolutely. She couldn't cope or understand the situation why someone would say that. Because mm -hmm. her interpretation of people is not the same as what we do. Right. She's black and white. Right. You know. They shouldn't have and done that. That's so it. Yeah. They shouldn't have done that. But in her mind, she's like, well, then they said it. That must be true. She doesn't believe him. She doesn't know why. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. So she was struggling. And so she went to the lunch mom. The lunch mom said, stop tattling. Send her away. 
She went to the teacher. The teacher said, stop tattling, go sit down and do your work. She went and saw, in the hallway, she saw um, the principal. He sent her on back to her class, you know, to say, no, no, you go, you know, tattling, keep on going. And I understand tattling, I understand you, you have to, but th there's a level, right? Yeah. This was not the level. Yeah. So she came home extremely upset, rightfully so. Um, I wrote a nasty, not a nasty, because I'm not a nasty person. I wrote a defined letter how it was unacceptable of their behaviors. Um, and it did get to the district and their special group, and they did the investigation and found that everybody was at fault. But part of that investigation was my settlement with them was I didn't want the, I'm assuming that the other girl's parents are parents that care about uh -huh. children uh -huh. and would just handle their child the way it should, right? Tell the parents that this happened, Correct. your child did this, uh -huh. and let them handle that replication of how they want to do their children. At uh -huh. the same time, I needed to make sure that everybody in her class, and, and eventually then her whole grade level, had to go through some special training uh -huh. right, about bullying. So they integrated that as part of her IEP as part of the training, training. they did. Mm -hmm. um, and they retrained everybody to how to do, uh, how to handle people with autism. Because when a child has autism and they're upset, they don't, they super focus on it. They're not gonna move off of that. Mm -hmm. And they're just gonna escalate and escalate and get worse and worse. By the time they get home, it's a big meltdown because they haven't dealt with this one issue. You have to deal with it right away. Right. Um, so they needed to know how to handle that. And so, Luckily, we had um, an individual that was a director of autism and uh, their special education and yep. um, school. We had a special school and we came and became our team. And it's been on our case for quite a while. Yeah, 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 which is good because I think that got a lot of respect yeah. um, for him. Um, but that's good. So, that's a good thing that parents can understand is that the district doesn't have an autism specialist. They could have, should have, find find one or pay for one to come in because that is a really important piece to you know the IEP team um, and so that everybody can understand the different dynamics of autism. Yeah, yep, I agree, I agree. Um, anything else in your notes that you wanted to share because I know you also want to share a little bit about your husband and his role and your relationships but I don't want to shortchange yeah, your story with the kids. Just the only other thing I could say is that um, each year, things can change. It's not going to be, um, it's not going to be stagnant. Like the IEP is going to fit them for who they are as the time goes. So you have to continually adjust that. I don't understand the education language that goes in about twenty words or capitalization. I rely on you to help me with that because uh -huh. I do not understand a thing on that. If I see her progressing, <laughs> then I'm fine. If I see uh -huh. him progressing, I'm fine. Uh -huh. But I, I, I get lost realistically for that. And thank God I have you to help me that as my partner, but in, and my husband too, you know, mm -hmm. he's also, we struggle with that. But also to just know that, just keep pushing. If there's something that, like, I wanted, I thought she needed an aid early on. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't give it to her. It yep. wasn't until COVID where I was teaching her full time and then working from home that you finally got them into getting a paralegal aid. Uh, a paraprofessional. Professional yep. an aid. Um, to help her during that school time, to right. do your school work and teach her. Um, and when they came back, they kept that person. It wasn't a full-time person right. for certain subjects, um, but luckily now we do. We have a full-time aid in seventh grade, and it's, it's, uh -huh. she's doing wonder. So 
stick to your guns. If it doesn't happen right away, don't give up on it. Mm -hmm. Just keep pushing it. Keep trying to give them, well, why don't you think I do it? What studies do we need to do? Those kind of things. Um, you know, and if you're talking to your neuropsychology or your doctors and they're writing notes and stuff, tell them that that's what your goal is, right? And they're going to write that into their documentation that you give to the district for anything mm -hmm. that you're looking for services. Yeah, yeah. And I think you became really good at, well, we became really good yeah. at collecting data and asking for data and they're, they needed data and we're like, we can give you data, like let's, let's you know, dive into this. And define and those to be yes. data points. I'm an analyst, so yep. that's part of my job. Yep. And the data points, they were, was not consistent and they weren't um, defining, it was off the board. So when you pull that data all together and looked at it, you saw like her, the charts going up and down on her behaviors or her concentration was because you weren't you monitoring the measuring the same thing all the time correct yes so you and have to make sure that that's defined yeah, look as at well. the graphs and, and see yeah yeah because it looked it looked like it was telling a story that they wanted to tell but then when we looked closer at it it was like wait 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 well anytime in an yes. anytime you're doing a, a view it's what how you want. you always have <laughs> what you want right there's a view i want to mm -hmm. show and i did mm -hmm. i took my because i'm in analytics yep. i took their same down and pushed it to how I would want to display it, right. which showed that she did. Right. So, you know, not everybody's going to be an analytics mm -hmm. and you know, stuff like that, but keep pushing, making sure you guys are both on the same page when you're doing data points as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, No, I think that that was, you know, really good. And uh, we really also pushed the team to show some academic growth as well, not only behavioral, um, which was good. And uh, yeah, I think getting the aid i know you said it she needs help she needs help she needs help she needs help and i think they finally heard it and had the data to you know show for it which is really good um yeah and i think the other thing that you've done really well and you haven't addressed it yet quite is you've done an excellent job of teaching your kids about their disabilities and yeah. and i want you to share that with other parents because i think it's really important like you you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you had your own grieving period, but then you also said, oh my gosh, I've got wonderful kids, and let's embrace this and not be ashamed of it. So tell that in your own words so, so that other parents hear that. Early on, I think everybody does this. You go through a grieving period, right? And, and, and I say this not to think that your value of your child is any less or anything, but everybody has a bit growth. You know, when you're a little girl, like me as a little girl, I dreamed of the perfect house with the perfect kids. And my kids were going to be academic and geniuses, and they're going to um, be socially out there. And so you have this image in your mind. And when you, when you have a child, you start trying, that, that changes, right? Because you're, you're, you start seeing more of your personality in your child. So. Mm -hmm. But when you're a disability mom, it drastically changes, mm -hmm. right? So you have to grieve that that vision you or that dream you had when you were little to what you have now. And then once you go through all those grieving stages, anger, whatever, you know, all those seven yep. stage science stages, you come up and you're like, okay, now I can accept this. You're in acceptance. Now what do I have, right? Mm -hmm. I have an amazing child. Just both of them have disabilities. Mm -hmm. They have their good and bad, like every other human being. Mm -hmm. But they're amazing children, and so I don't ever want them to feel bad because they have a disability, mm -hmm. right? And I, especially in autism, a little mm -hmm. bit in ADHD, but, but most kids, a lot of more kids are being diagnosed with ADHD. So it's not a persona out there like people, you know, don't want to recognize that you have ADHD. 
with autism, you have autism in your what they call functioning, which I don't even like that word, but because you don't really function. Um, but if they're, you know, phase, you know, level two autism or level one, people start looking at you bad, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have that. And so my goal was to my tell them first, tell my kids, you got a superpower, right? Yeah. You know, we loved comic books, right? Mm -hmm. So we use Superman as an example. Superman when he was little, I remember seeing this one movie, um, and you know, Clark Kent was in the closet and he's getting overwhelmed because all his powers are coming and he's getting overwhelmed and stuff like that. And then the moms come and say, hey, calm down, listen to my voice. And it, it so reminded me of me and my children, you know, me telling them, okay, just focus on me, let me get you through this. Is he Superman? Yeah, he's, he's a little Superman there. He mm -hmm. has these great powers, but he needs help and he needs tools and to help him be that Superman as an adult. Mm -hmm. And so we've always tried to teach our kids in that persona that you, you need those tools. I advocate outside of my children, right? I'm out there telling other parents, yeah, okay, my Allie has autism, my son has ADHD, you know, you know, and people are more prone to come and ask you more about what is autism, right. what is ADHD? I'll tell them it's, you know, the goods and the bads, you know. I've had people that where their child has autism didn't want to say anything. Mm -hmm. And so we created, you can create a small little autistic mom chat, you mm -hmm. know, text chat, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. emails, or try to meet once a week. Because yep. no other mother's going to know what you've gone through when you have autism, you know, autistic mom, you know, their, their development del del uh, delayed. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, she's two to three years behind a normal kid, you know. Mm -hmm. She's learning how to wash her hair now, take a shower by herself. Well, she's 12 years old. She should know, a typical child would know that, but my child doesn't mm -hmm. because they're learning that. She's mm -hmm. learning that now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just, we out there try to be proud of your kids. And I teach them, too, to advocate for themselves, be proud for their self. If it, another student says, what is what is autism? What is ADHD? You know, you could ask Allie about you know, hey, what's autism? And she's going to tell you. Yeah, you that's know, awesome. The good points and the bad points. You know, so she tries to educate her peers just as much as I try to educate the parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think you brought up some, you know, really good points with all that. I I, I think it's amazing. I love the way she talks about it um, as well. Mm -hmm. I <laughs> I just do. Um, the other thing I like that you also say. Um, you have taught her, which I had never heard it before, that if somebody is being like mean or grouchy, that you throw away, you throw away in the trash whatever is in your head or in your memory, yeah. and you move on. So tell me a little bit about that too, because I thought, oh, that's like such a good visual. Yeah, she was. She's a very physical when she deals with her feelings. Mm -hmm. So early on, we had therapy, and one of the things he did was he said, write on a poster of your feelings. Okay. And so she wrote a picture, or you draw a picture, picture whatever, yeah. whatever you feel. It could be one word. You take it and you crumble it, and you throw it in the trash. Okay. And it was a way for her to physically comprehend that not everything, you don't have to hold on to everything. She's going to. She, she can recite things six years that I don't even remember happened, but she can uh -huh. exactly what happened at right. that time. But she's, she's she remembers it, but it's not something she's super focused on. Yeah. And so we always try to tell her to take, learn, and it's hard for her, right. but take the value of what they're saying. If someone's teasing her, you know, teasing to her is black and white again, right? She's either bullying or it's not bullying in right. her mind. It's right. not, you know, you don't have that gentle teasing, mm -hmm. you know, like, I'm just keeping on you, but I still love you, you're my right. gal. 
And she doesn't understand that. Right. So we always say, you know, if someone says you're a hamburger, are you a hamburger? No. All right, then. So is that something you want to keep, you know, in, you know, be upset about? But it's something you just want to throw it in the trash, right? And that's how we refer it, you know. And she's like, well, I'm not a hamburger. I'm going to throw it in the trash. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I think that's just a really good you know, visual for her to, for, you know, any kid to hold on to, ah, for, yeah. for me to hold on to. <laughs> a lot of stuff I can throw in the trash today about what people say. So I think yeah. that's really good. Um, awesome. So anything else you want to talk about your kids? And then I'm, I know I asked you to share about your spouse. Yeah. Um, no, just, I think that's it. Just also just teach them how to, um, listen to them. I don't think I ever saw that they said that, but they have a value, and even early on, when they were in first in kindergarten and going through all this, they had a point. You know, the main Bandy point, story points. Their yep. story, <laughs> I listen to them. They have mm-hmm. a say. And not that, that we're going to do everything that they want, mm-hmm. but I will take the time to listen to mm-hmm. them and talk to them about it, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we, we try to make sure that they have a valid point. You know, my son's. 14. He wants to talk about getting off medicine, and he's laid out, told me why. All right, well, let's talk. Let's talk about, let's talk with your physician. Let's talk about what, what this means. Can we take you off and see you do a trial period? So even though my gut, mom gut is like, oh, you need this all through high school because you're going to be more focused, you need to be more focused, I'm trying to take what he wants, his feelings, and mind mm-hmm. for that, and, mm-hmm. and listen to that. So try to do that. Um, so that was one big point is listening to them. The other thing is if something goes wrong with your kids, I always do this, is if you fight with your kids, right, and you scream, I'm a screamer, I try not to scream with my kids, mm-hmm. especially with Allie, but sometimes I lose my temper and, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, I may scream. I go back and apologize for my behavior, right? Mm-hmm. I go back to it. It doesn't take them, this is a hard thing my husband's still trying to learn, but he's getting better. You apologizing for your piece doesn't take away what their action was. Their action was wrong. Mm-hmm. They did, they threw a toy at their brother or this, you know, they hit their sister. That action was wrong. And, and solely should they have um, consequences for that. But my, for me yelling at them, that was my piece that I did. Mm-hmm. And so I fully, when, I, when we go back to our kids, we explain that to them mm-hmm. when they're calmer. And it goes for anything. I mean, not just your kids, it goes back in a relationship with your, with your spouse or your anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. can apologize, and it teaches your kids, but you can apologize for something without being wrong, yeah. core wrong in the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's awesome as well. That's a great, you know, role model mm-hmm. um, as well. Um, anything else you want to say about that or no, anything else? No, I, I think that's, you know, I'm sure you have other parents have other guidelines <laughs> with their kids and stuff, but that's pretty much what, what the core of what we do with the kids. Okay, sounds good. Um, anything else you want to talk about your relationship with your spouse? Because I know yeah. you had said that it was challenging, and in both of you, and you said one of the ways you cope is you research, you like dig in, and you try to find more information, and you want to arm yourself with facts and logic. And um, how how is having two kids with disabilities? How does that affect a marriage? It can affect it quite often. Um, Joe and I have, my husband, we have roles that we are strong suit. I'm the researcher. I'm the one that takes the kids to the doctors. I'm the one that documents everything. I'm the one that comes to IP with the folder and all that stuff. That's my role. That's what I do well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I cope is to have all this. 
his role is more to supporting me. You know, if I needed to print out a paper and I need more downstairs to get the print off the printer, he'll do that for me. Um, you know, if I need to spend more time focusing on getting things ready for the kids, for the IEPs or doctor's appointments stuff, he may do the laundry and districts and stuff like that. It's, um, so we have roles that we do. Now, it doesn't mean that I never do laundry. It never <laughs> means that he doesn't call a doctor's appointment. Right. It just means that's usually what we take on as a role. Now, if you don't like that role, then you need to have that communication with your spouse to say, okay, well, I don't like always doing this. Um, part of COVID, before COVID, my husband went downtown. And so he was gone at 6 o'clock in the morning. I come home until 7 o'clock at night. So my role was getting the kids ready, lunches, getting to school, taking them, getting, picking them up, all that stuff. I and mean, that was my role. Um, after COVID, we both now work from home. So he's taken more of a role of, of helping me with that. And I would say the first time they went back to school, the first six months, I told him, I said, I need to take a break from getting the kids to school, doing their lunches and stuff. Can you do this? Mm -hmm. And he's like, sure. You know, so, you know, he now I'm coming back in now trying to help in the morning and stuff. You know, I, I still will take Allie and take, drop her off, and he usually takes Tyler in the morning. And, you know, we'll work on the afternoon and on pickups and stuff like that. But your roles can change, but just communicate that, you know. And it's okay to say, I need to take a break. Mm -hmm. And and have your significant other talk about it and see, hey, can you, can you step up? and do this for a little bit, just like I have a little break. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to have that communication with your spouse. Um, it's important to know in early on that each of you have grieving periods are different, right? You're going to be at different stages, so you need to support each other at each of those stages. Mm -hmm. I was through, you know, I was more to got to accept it a lot faster than my husband. Um, but that was okay. He had the right to deal with it. And, not that he didn't say, I'm not going to do anything for the kids or anything oh. like that. <laughs> Can't imagine but that. there was some, you know, in certain time frames, um, dealing with the kids and having that um, patience, because I've gone through the acceptance, you know, he's still angry, he's at the angry stage because he's in this situation. I may take on more of the disciplinary action, you know, because he just, he needed time to focus on himself, and we didn't want any of his um, being anger at that, being angry at the situation, meaning that you know, that would go through the kids and stuff like that. So we we swapped our roles, you know, in, in certain ways. That now he's good. He's in acceptance. He's um, fully, you know, we both fully, um, you know, we're at a good point. Um, also, communication, right? You got to have that communication between the two of you. Um, everybody says kids first, my kids come first, mm -hmm. and I disagree, and I'm, this is why I tell you disagree. You have yourself, right? You need to make sure that you have something to give out to, you know, they always say the old philosophy, make yep. sure your well's filled up, right? So, not mean that you have to be selfish all the time, yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah. hey, maybe once a month you go get your nails done, or once a month you go, you know, do something, my husband runs, and he likes to go running, so go running, go do something that you need to do for yourself. Um, then you got to do is your spouse because if you don't have a partner in crime, it's all gonna then it then it's all you. Mm -hmm. So you need that base level. You need your base level. Let's think of it like building a house. You yeah. need base level is you. The next level of that's your foundation needs to be you and your spouse. You two have to be in a good point to know your roles and know how to deal with each other and how to deal with the kids and be connected. Or you're not gonna, or your foundation's gonna fall, mm -hmm. and then everything else falls in it. And it's not a balance that 
you know, school comes first and kids and then parents and then, you know, family and all this stuff. And work, it, it's one or the other mm -hmm. that usually is one person, you know, I may do work more today. I may work on the kids more today. But it's a balance meaning that it eventually, at the end of time, it equals itself. Yeah, it all gets done. Yeah, but it's not a balance yeah. at the time. No. And I always never understood that when people always said, well, you have balance. <laughs> it's, <laughs> not, it's not like that. Today, I've I got to focus on the kids. Tomorrow, I'll work on, on the work. Piece. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, I would not be where I'm at if I didn't have a connection with my husband. You know, I, always, I was telling you when we were talking earlier, um, we were talking about sexy time. You got to make sure you have um, that relationship with him. If you truly enjoy being with your significant other, you know, do think. If you can't go out and you can't, you know, you don't have babysitters, you don't have family mm -hmm. and watch them, put them to bed. When you put them to bed, stay out for that extra couple hours. Sit back and have a glass of wine or beer or listen to music or talk about things, things not related to children. Try, it can be work because you don't always get to complain about work unless that's something you constantly do and you can make that a rule. <laughs> um, but, you know, talk about things in, in the world, things you like, do things that brought you guys together in the first place because that helps. When I like him we're, and he likes me, we work better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when, when I'm mad at him and I don't talk to him about it, he's mad at me, then that's when things escalate. And it just makes things so much worse, you know. I'm personally talking about my feelings all the time. Mm -hmm. My husband's an introvert, doesn't mm -hmm. like talking about feelings. Mm -hmm. He's better with me. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there's times where he just holds things in and, 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 and it blows up. We sit down, we talk about it, we work through it, and find that. Talk about the little things. He, I'm person when I'm in the kitchen cooking and stuff, I'll leave cabinets open all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and it drives him bonkers. Uh -huh. I try, by the time I'm done cooking, close all the cabinets and make everything's fine, right? Oh. Am I perfect at it? Absolutely not. I'm never going to be perfect at uh -huh. it. It's not something that I, hits me to do every single time. Yeah. But I intend to do it, yeah. right? And he recognizes when I do it and he thanks me for doing that. Not that I'm, he's saying that I don't do it, don't not do it in you know, times. But he's not always pointing out, hey, you didn't do the cabinet door today. Uh -huh. You know, uh -huh. he's pointing out to me a positive reinforcement, just like for the kids. Hey, thank you for doing the door. The more you get that positive, the more you like that person, the more you're getting, you know, you that connection, the more you want to work with each other, the more you want to compromise. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about arguments, right? Yeah. There's not, you can't always win, right? Yeah. You have to compromise. There are some things that I have, like, if there's something that I just have to win on this, I have to have it this way. I can't explain to you why I need it this way. Yeah. Maybe that's part of my ADHD, I don't know. Yeah. But there's something that I just know I have to have it my way. Mm -hmm. And so we have safe word. Ours is putting our foot down, because we just think it's funny, because it's actually the opposite of what yes. you need. Yes, yes, um, yes. But that's just our safe word. Yep. And our safe word is, like, I put, if I say this, so he says I put my foot down, that means that I have to win this. So even if your point, your point is probably very valid, mm -hmm. right? And I'm not just saying that your point is, but can you give it to me this one time? Because I cannot move past this point yeah. without having it this way. Yeah. And you can't use it all the time, right? right? You know, but, <laughs> but when we both say that, we just let it go. We realize it's not that important. That yeah. piece is not important to me. It's so important for her. I don't know why. 
but I'm going to give it to her, right? Mm -hmm. And I recognize that, and I thank him for that, and I realize that his point is just as valid as my point. There's no win. It's not winning in this. It's just I mentally can't move on right. and do it without doing it this way. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's I think that's really good, um, and I, very very valuable as well. Um, and it's funny because since you mentioned the whole cabinet doors, I'm more aware of the cabinet doors, and, and I'm an, I leave them open all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I get. Joe will be in your house closing them as you enter. Trust me, but that's okay. I'm like, okay, I'm shutting the doors. I'm shutting the doors. You know, but no, I understand that. And again, it's just a little thing that happens. You know, a hundred different versions of that. You know, throughout the week or the month or you know whatever. And you know, I love the fact that he's you know the strong, silent type and. That you guys just have this dynamic that works, and uh, I also I experience it where when he speaks up in the meeting, yeah. people listen because he's quiet, and then when he has something to say, he says it, and then we know okay he's at his limit. Like that's and he's a not a No, not at all. He just, he's not like, at all. All right, I'm done. Yeah, let's we're gonna yeah. do this. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. So I think that that you know is. And really we need that person. I mean, if I was, I'm the one that's constantly you know getting emotional about it. And, so I need someone to bring me back down to earth and say, okay, honey, you need to calm down a little bit. But, you know, or, or I need someone to, when he does speak up, people do listen yeah, to him. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Versus listening to me, it's like, oh, there's, there's Andy going on. And <laughs> it's not how I perceive you, Andy, just so you know. I do not perceive you that way. I perceive you much different. And you are very factual and very passionate about your you know kids and this is your life you know mm -hmm. and so I can absolutely respect that and uh, I appreciate you telling your story and appreciate the relationship that we've had throughout the years mm -hmm. and you know how much both of us have you know just kind of grown you know within your two kids and it's been you know really good journey you know yeah. in my opinion so I couldn't do it without you trust me you're, you're a significant part of my team yeah. I'm gonna bring in so well, thank I appreciate you. all the work that you Thank you. I appreciate that as well. Any final words? Anything else you want the listeners to say? Or do you believe you've said it all? No, I think I said it all. Yeah, I think <laughs> I'm so sure too. there's more of this stuff out there. Yeah. But I think, you know, yeah. like I said, I think I've you know, said what I think is important. Absolutely. Well, thank you, and hopefully it will help others. So um, I appreciate you coming in today. Right. Thank you.